Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new bracket America. Soccer new bracket America. Feature person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 71 of Soccer Noob Rockin' America. I'm Soccer Noob and I'm joined as always by my nine-year-old daughter and co-host, Person Noob. Hello! And by the way, she has just started this month taking guitar lessons, so soon uh, we're going to redo the theme song, I think, so that she can actually do that wicked cool guitar riff that you always hear. The song that... Uh, sets up the show for so much of the zaniness that you're going to hear if you choose to make it through and why not because together we have put together many previews for you from 10 just exquisite superb matches from any and everywhere in the world doesn't matter if the country is big or small domestic top flight leagues international tournaments national teams if the stakes are high where it's being played there's a pretty good chance we're covering it. This week, we're doing matches from February 18 through 24. That is Friday through Thursday. Let's kick things off with... March number one! No Friday matches happen to make our cut for being of high enough dramatic quality, if you will. So we're going to start on Saturday with the first match in the Champions League of Africa, the CAF. Here's how things are set up. It's the group stage. Four groups of four have been formed. They're in the midst of playing a double round robin, home and away for each pair of teams within the groups. The top two finishers from each group will advance to the knockout stage. The matchup we've chosen to look at, it's a little bit arbitrary since it's early. We don't know who's going to end up doing great and who's not. In any case, we're going to look at number four, Galaxy, versus number three, uh, Etoile du Sahel. Let's talk about the home team first with the Galaxy, currently in last place in the group. But as we said, it's early. This is a team that plays out of Botswana, which is in South Central Africa. And the fuller name of the club is Juanang Galaxy. It's in the uh, uh, southeast part of that. And it's in the southern district, although not politically part of the southern district. Uh, this whole area is very interesting because historically it's been built around what's called the Debswana Diamond Mine, uh, which for a time and maybe still through till today uh, is known for producing some of the richest gem quality items in the world. In, in fact, it's so well to do that for a time, I don't think it's the case now anymore, you needed permission from the company running the mine just to be able to live in the community. It was a very much a closed door affair. Uh, Population-wise, I'm not quite sure what it looks like today. Probably similar to what I did find. Uh, 2015, it was a city of well over 13,000 people. 
only a 3% poverty rate. That made it the second, makes it rather, the second richest village in the country. Just a fascinating area. Uh, This club itself officially was founded in 2015, but in fact, it is a merger between two local clubs that were not Division I, I don't believe, Juaneng Comets and the Botswana Youngsters. Once they got together, they got promoted to Division I, I believe, the very next year. Now, as far as this league, the quality, they do not rank all of the league associations in Africa. They only rank about two-thirds of them, and this is not one that is ranked. They have earned no rankings points in any of the international competitions, and so they're coming out of pot four. They are predicted to finish in last place. Uh, They finished in second place in their league in 2017, best they've ever done. And then they went on and got to get play in the Confederations Cup, which is the secondary tournament for clubs in Africa. And they went out in the first round, as you might imagine. They qualified for this event by winning the 2019-2020 Domestic Premier League in Botswana. Uh, That's of note because like you know, several leagues from around the world. They uh, either had an abbreviated season or just flat out canceled their season last year due to COVID, of course. Uh, Some of the better teams in Africa do not have to play in both of the qualifying rounds to make the group stage. As you would imagine, coming from an end-ranked league, that was not the case with Galaxy. They had to play the first and second qualifying round, and here they are. In uh, the 2QR, they beat a team called Simba, from the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, that series, actually, that home and away uh, tie actually finished 3-3, and then Galaxy got to advance on away goals. They're still using that for a tiebreaker there, unlike in a lot of big tournaments in Europe. Here in the group stage, they've already played one match, and they lost to Esperanza de Tunis out of Tunisia, as you might imagine, and is the favorite in this group. And uh, they lost nil uh, 4 at home. How are they doing this year in their league? This might be the best indicator of what they can do in the group. They are currently number three in their Premier League, and it's just over halfway through. They're probably not going to win the league, though, and get to advance into this event once again next year because they are 10 points behind a team called uh, Gabarone or Gabarone United. Statistically, the offense is where they're shining. They're scoring over two goals per match. Uh, The defense, they're only giving up just over one goal per match, but that is average at best in that league. As far as their current form for what it's worth, because the competition is less than their opponent here in the Champions League, uh, before losing to that Tunisian team in this event, they had actually won six straight matches. And now your favorites, Etoile du Sahel. Uh, They play out of the city in Tunisia called Susa, in the Sahel region. It's in the uh, north, north central part of the country, up along the coast. It's the third biggest one in the country, 300,000 strong. If this city means anything to you, if you're a cinephile, probably because it was the stand-in city for a lot of shooting of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, just despite the fact that Egyptophiles will know if that's even a word, that uh, the two cities look absolutely nothing alike. The Architecture in general is very, very Arabic in both, but uh, the traditional blue and white buildings that are so common in one are definitely not present in the other. Now, as far as the footy, this is uh, the eighth-ranked club of the teams which have advanced to the group stage between all the groups. Uh, They qualified for this not by winning their league. Uh, Tunisia's top flight is strong enough that they get to send their two te- best two teams to the Champions League. They finished in second place last year. Uh, this year, they beat APR of Rwanda in the second qualifying round where they got to start. Everybody's got to at least start there. And they handled them handily, five to one. Uh, as far as here in the group,
group stage, their first match was against a very another good team. Boy, Galaxy kind of got drawn into a mini group of death here. They uh, CR uh, Beluizadad from Algeria is one of the teams in this group. And they and uh, EDS, they drew nil-nil a few days ago. As far as this league, speaking of its strength, it is ranked currently number three in the African Confederation, by the way. And this team is one of the powerhouses. They've won 10 league titles, although not in a few years. The last trophy was in 2015-16. As far as this event, they won the Champions League in 2007. This year, how are they doing in league play? Well, they've divided things into two groups of eight. And even they're only, uh, I believe, seven or eight games into the season, Right now, EDS is actually in seventh out of eighth place, not playing their best ball. In fact, that puts them in a relegation zone right now. Three and five has been their GD for and against goal differential. The the, uh, the defense, that's comparable to a lot of other teams in the league, but the offense, they've really got to get that going. On the scoring leaderboard for them, however, not quite top 10, uh, Yassini Chikawe, this would be your man to look for in my opinion, a uh, 35-year-old veteran attacking midfielder. He actually started his career here, played here for three years, and then he came back in 2018. I think that the only team, certainly one of the only teams that he played for in between was over in Europe. Yeah, we've got a guy that if you're a Swiss football fan, you may know him well, as he was with Zurich from 2010 through 15. And he has earned over 40 national team caps for his country, albeit I don't think he's appeared for them since uh, 2015. Team's current form couldn't be looking much worse. Winless in their last seven across all competitions. The last four have been draws, which looks promising, but it's not because they've found their offense. The last three of those draws have all been by nil-nil scores. Match number B. And already we're on to Sunday for our matches, and we're going to move over to Europe. For match number B, yes, longtime listeners, we're still doing it. 1B, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, you know why. But in this case, B perhaps starts with Bundesliga, but not the German one that we all know and love so well, as much as when we're getting to know a little bit better. Hello, Austria's Bundesliga. It is rated number eight in all of UEFA. It just passed Russia and Scotland with the most recent release of the coefficients over in Europe. That is good enough to get two Champions League teams in. Uh, they uh, don't get either of their teams into the group stage. One has to start in the round before called the playoff round. One team will start a couple rounds further back in the second qualifying round. They will get a Europa League berth out of league play as well and two Europa Conference League berths. So <laughs> nearly half this league practically goes to uh, international competition, it seems. They're almost done with the first stage of this league's season, roughly two-thirds of the way through. Like a lot of leagues, they will divide into championship round and relegation rounds, just split the league in half. And these two teams we're going to talk about have already secured their champions round bursts. Uh, number one, a team you probably know well, even if not the rest of the league, Red Bull Salzburg, and they are playing host to current number B team in the table, Wolfsburger AC. Here's how the table looks. Uh, it's This is not a high-stakes match, to be perfectly honest, for Salzburg. They're at home. They're my favorite to win this game. We'll learn why. And they currently lead Wolfsburger by 14. The league title race is probably done. But this is a very important match for Wolfsburger. They would love to be able to get some kind of result out of this. Even a draw would probably have them celebrating because they lead uh, number three, Sturmgratz, G-R-A-Z, Graz, Graz, not sure, 
by just two points. As far as the series between these two, it has been all Red Bull Salzburg. They have a 21-12-5 record against them in recent years. And when they played earlier this season, Salzburg won on the road, nil two. We will start by talking about them, the Red Bulls. Not quite ranked as a top 20 team in UEFA, but pretty darn close. And why not? They've won eight straight league titles. And actually, since 2005, when uh, the Red Bull company took the reins, they have won 12 of the league titles. Statistically, this year, number one offense, not by tons. They are averaging over two goals per match. Number one defense by a lot. So that's, I think, where they're really going to uh, do well for this particular match. They've only given up 13 goals in 19 matches. And their goal differential is almost three times better than anybody else in the league. Uh, key players to look for. Number one league score. I wonder how long they'll be able to keep him. Kareem Adeyemi. He is a German striker, just 20 years old. Already has three national team caps. He is it. Uh, even. He's actually been playing ball with this club since 2018, although he was loaned out until last year. That was his first partial or full season here with the senior club in Salzburg. My understanding is, and I don't pretend to be a transfer news guy usually, but that he turned down, I believe, a contract offer of some kind or a chance to at least sit down with Barcelona in December. From what I've read, and please take this with a grain of salt, but it looks like Borussia Dortmund out of the Bundesliga in Germany is the uh, front runner to get him right now. I'm really surprised it's not uh, RB Leipzig. It seems like that's the whole reason Red Bull has this whole pipeline, including these two teams in Europe, is to be able to move the best players on. But we'll see what happens. Time will tell. Uh, the best overall player, in my opinion, though, is Rasmus Christensen. He's a Danish right back for them. Statistically, a really odd case. I just need to watch him play. He's got six goals and three assists, which says that he's a box-to-box guy. And he is a solid tackler, but oddly enough, he's not very effective in the passing game. So uh, probably not dribbling a whole lot either. Um, He has spent some time with Ajax as well. So this is probably a little bit of a step down for him. This is a player that has perhaps peaked and found his place now. And we have a USA connection. Brendan Aronson plays for this team. He's an attacking midfielder. He's 21 years old, came up with and over from the Philadelphia Union in MLS and he has earned 18 USMNT caps since 2020. Very active. This team's current form. They are 2-1-1 in across all recent competitions. And they just drew Wednesday 1-1 versus Bayern Munich from the Bundesliga in the Champions League. That is impressive. Just one of the myriad of reasons that I think uh, Wolfsburger uh, is going to be biting off more than they can chew. Uh, by the way, Wolfsburg is in the south-southeast part of Austria, giving you some geographic perspective, in the Eastern Alps. It's not a huge city by any means. It's only 25,000. Uh, if you're a geography buff, history buff, probably the number one thing you might know about this town outside of the footy is there's a very, very famous castle that it certainly predates this, but the first time it was ever mentioned mentioned in preserved writing is that it was in the mid 12th century. It's called Wolf's Perch, not Wolfsburg Castle. Very famous. Uh, this team, they have only been in the top flight for about a decade. They first earned a promotion up here uh, in the, after the 2011-2012 season. Best they've ever done, 
third place, and that was in 2018-19, and uh, was the, started a run of three straight years that they got to go to the Europa League. They haven't had much success there, and in fact, in the most recent appearance, I believe this year, they got absolutely wrecked by dreaded Tottenham Hotspur, dreaded by this show anyway, for reasons we'll explain someday in the round of 32 for that event. So good on them for getting into that, uh, you know, the event property in the knockout round, at least. Last year, they finished fifth place in the league. This year, Offense is top three. Defense, they're only tied for number six to look at the rankings ordinarily, but really with all the teams in the middle, things are pretty tight. They've only got the third best goal differential, and in fact, their goal differential is just plus four. Key man for them, top 10 scorer in the league is Ty Baribo or Baribo. He's from Israel, forward. Spent his first few years playing with a team that's not doing very well over there at all right now, uh, Patatikva, but then he came over here last year. Feels like a step up. Also, another key guy to look for, tied for number three in the league in assists, is Michael Liendel, midfielder, 36 years old. This team is 4-1-0 across all competitions, and despite that shiny zero in the loss column, I really think the goal differential is the key factor here. Sturmgratz is the second-best team in this league, not Wolfsburger, in my opinion, and I think Salzburg, if they choose to, are absolutely going to run away with this match at home. Match number three. Let's get microstaty. Is that a word? Oh, well, it is now. We're headed to Andorra, staying in Europe and staying on Sunday, where their top flight is called the uh, Primera Divisio. They're about two-thirds of the way through the regular season. They play three round robins before they move on to championship and relegation rounds. And they've got a dandy going on. Number one, Interclub de Scaldes is taking on number B, Athletic Club de Scaldes. Uh, right now, uh, the first one, we're just going to abbreviate ICE. They lead by three in the table. Earlier this season, they've already played a home and away, and ICE won, or not won, but uh, managed a nil-nil draw was all at home. And then ACE only got a 1-1 draw at their place. How is the third one going to turn out? It might be easy to say draw, but you know what? We don't know. But who might? Who purports to? Yes, that's right. It's time for our near weekly visit from drug-addled, world-wandering soothsayer, Noob Stradamus. Hope he's had his fresca. Hope he smoked his lotus leaves. We need to know how this one is going to go so that we may gamble properly. A results prediction you seek for the Derby d'Escalade? No problemo. Ocum probleme. I saved the best of my lotus leaf for our show. Thusly, I travel with ease through space and time. We. I wake to my mind vision. Feeling like a spring chicken a good two millennia younger. At about 1500 years old, I am able to walk the world far and wide with far greater ease than in the waking world. But I am more than a little peckish. I have followed my holy feet to Engolaster, in what is now Andorra. This is a journey I remember well, for these mountain woods are among the loveliest in the world. It would soon be even more breathtaking, but at what price? I am crossing the path of a village woman, not knowing just how far I had to go for much-needed food. I ask her for a bite of bread she carries. 
She silently denies me, rounding past me. Me? Such disdain, such impiety. I don't just have access to space and time, but nature itself. I channeled my powers and unleash a torrent of mountain water down upon her. The nameless woman's grave is now the most gorgeous lake on all the earth. To this day, legend says the stars reflected in it will someday fall into the pristine water and there remain for all time. The legend also says it was the Christ whom she denied bread. Not sure he would have doused her into oblivion. It was I, Noob Stradamus. And one is ill-advised to deny carbs to a light-headed from hunger soothsayer of might. Visitor 1, Home Village Woman 0. Noob, visiting athletic will win this day. 0 to 1. I have seen and I have spoken. Match number four. Our final match for the weekend brings us much closer to home, CONCACAF land, if you will, specifically to Nicaragua, their Primera División, where they are in the Clausura, or closing, second stage of the 2021-2022 season. Now, to be perfectly honest, this is not one of the better leagues within CONCACAF, or at the very least within Central America. They're probably about 12th best, at least according to kick algorithms, a site that I like to use a lot. That would put them as the second lowest one within Central America, and that's important in terms of international births. All of the Central American countries get three births into the CONCACAF League, but Nicaragua only gets two and the Belize only gets one. It's a pretty small league to boot down there. So the only two teams that get to go in are the stage champions. Now, additional to that, uh, the top six teams from the stage will move into the league playoffs and the top two of those will get to uh, get by, if you will, straight through into the semis. Now, there are just four matches into the Clausura. That's the bare minimum for me to start to consider uh, sort of the stakes of what's going on. And this matchup was a little too good to pass up for reasons that will become clear momentarily. I'm excited for it. Uh, we've got number one, Dirian Hen, taking on number B, Managua. They are tied on points at the table. That's point number one that makes this so interesting. Dirian Hen happened to be up three on goal differential. They are the only undefeated teams in the league. And in fact, they both have perfect records so far. And they both lead uh, Municipal Jalapa by five. Dirian Hen, they are known as the Caciques. Now, that probably means boss, or at least that's the newer slangier term. Maybe back when they first took on that, it might have meant something more akin to the princes or the kings, the leaders of the area, if you will. The city they play out of is similar to the club name. It's Diriamba. It's only about 30,000, but it's, uh, if not quite necessarily part of the capital city greater area proper, it's pretty close. Only about 25 miles south of the city of Managua. They're in the southwest part of the country. Now, the music that you're hearing right now is something I absolutely have loved to learn about in this area. I talked about it a little bit one other time with Darion Hen. We'll get a little more specific this time. The recording you're hearing is from the Festival of San Sebastian, uh, which takes place every January. And this music is particular, both in, in its in instrumentation and the overall theme, 
Uh, well, let me just say, it's called El Guiguense, if I'm saying it right. G-U-E-G-U-E-N-S-E. I think it's Guiguense. Pronounce each of the first two syllables differently. In any case, here's what exactly that is. It's a uh, festival street performance uh, that's partly defined by the music you're hearing right now. It's partly designed by the dancing that goes along with it, the number of people and the type of theater that they are producing while they're doing with it, because it's pretty much always the same. Uh, this folklore character, and I believe he was uh, based on somebody real, uh, made a name for himself in colonial times he was uh, having an argument, a debate of some kind with uh, a high up uh, Spanish colonial person and uh, was employing a specific tactic in uh, how he was debating him. He would agree and agree and agree with everything. And then suddenly, you know, without saying anything that sounded new, turn the words of the other person on their head sort of and say, if you agree with all that, or if you believe all that, then you have to believe this and completely flip things around. And it's very embarrassing for the person that's on the receiving end of that. You have to be very clever to pull it off in a debate format. Uh, this is so much a part of the folklore there that this exact festival piece has been declared an intangible heritage of humanity by UNESCO and has been uh, since pretty much the turn of the century. Now, let's get back to the footy. 26 league titles. Uh, 2018 Clausura stage was their most recent one, but make no mistake, this is not a current traditional powerhouse. That's their only title they've, they've won in the last 15 years. In the Apertura stage this year, uh, they finished in second place. They lost in the table the regular season to Real Esteli by two on goal differential. So close to getting that trophy. And then insult added to injury. Uh, this team, uh, lost to, I can't remember who they lost to, but they also lost in the title match for uh, in the playoffs. This year so far in the four games that they've played, they've got an 11-2 goal differential. Very impressive. League-leading scorer for them is a Venezuelan attacker named Jaime Moreno. And if you recognize this game, if you're a person listening to this, you've got to be more than your average European footy fan to know the football of Cyprus. This guy spent one year a few years ago with AEL Limassol. And now Managua, they are known as the Blue Lions, which I find interesting because actually the lion on their crest is yellow. And it's the background of the crest that is uh, very much predominantly a very dark navy blue. It's uh, actually a really good crest. Why not call them the Yellow Lions, though? Who knows? Anyway, the club was featured in 2006. They've only won one league title. That was the 2018 Apertura stage title. Last or not last year, but this year, last stage in the Apertura, they finished in three points. Uh, third place, rather, but that was seven points off the pace. And then they lost to Dirion Hin in the playoff semifinals. They've got a goal differential nearly as good as their host today with 10-4. Uh, 10 for them and four against. Key player to look for them is number three scorer, Edward Murillo. The reason I like this match so much, even though it's early in the stage, the stages are shorter in Latin America. These are not full seasons like you see in MLS and Europe. So every game really, really matters a lot. It's as if you cut the NFL down to like a 10-game regular season and you played two of those a year or something. And neither of these two teams is exactly a blue blood right now. And I just like seeing some fresh blood near the top of any league table. Match number five. We're going to start off our work week Monday, mixing things up with a match from the women's side of the ball. We head back to Africa for the 
CAF Africa Women Cup of Nations, the women's AFCON, basically, although this is the qualification tournament, not the tournament proper. They're in the second qualifying round, and this uh, all these matches are going to be the second matches of the two-legged home-and-away ties. And by the way, something else that makes this extra important on top of just being the biennial continental championships is that the main event will serve as World Cup qualifiers for these teams. The matchup we're going to look at is Algeria versus South Africa. South Africa won the first leg 2-0, but Algeria, don't worry, they can put up a fight. They're known as the Foxes, or specifically, I should say, uh, the Fenix, F-E-N-N-E-C, which is a desert fox, and they have little bodies and great big ears. They are the chihuahuas of the fox world, and they are cute as can be. I wonder if they make good pets. Yeah, maybe we can discuss that another time. This team is ranked number nine in Africa, number 79 overall worldwide by FIFA. They have never made a World Cup proper. They have qualified for this event five of the last eight times, including the last time they got to play it in 2018. I said biennial, biennial earlier, and that's true, but the 2020 version got canceled, COVID, as you might imagine. This team has never been past the group stage, despite the fact that they're in the top 10. Um, how did they get here? Well, they beat Sudan in the first quarter qualifying round uh, in the one match that they played leg one 14 to nil they didn't bother with the second match or couldn't play it because of the coup d'etat taking on uh, or rather uh, going on in Sudan yikes hope everything there is turning out okay uh, tied for number three at uh, in this event for scoring with four goals is their event captain Naima Boheni she's 36 years old uh, French uh, national team appearances, she's been making them since 2006, and I love her club name. It's Afak Relazani, if I'm getting the pronunciation right. As far as the team's current form, they had won three straight matches before losing their first leg match in this event with South Africa. And let's talk about them next. You know the men's team more than likely is called Bafana Bafana, which means the boys, the boys, and is really cool because it's not there's more to it than that it actually it's like we are the boys and we are also including everybody else the males uh you know in our locker room our staff and in our you know boardroom and our businessmen and the and the fans everybody gets included in that when you put those uh back to back that's uh, sort of what's going on linguistically for the women's team the word is very very similar say hello to banyana banyana girls in the nguni uh in I can't say it. N-G-N-U-I. Inui language. Oh, boy. I should have practiced that one or just forgotten about it. <laughs> they are ranked number three in Africa, number 56 overall by FIFA. They have finished in second place in this event four different times. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride, as they say. And the most recent runner-up finish was in 2018. Uh, 2019 was the only time they ever made the World Cup proper, and they didn't get any points once they made it to the group stage there. They have qualified for every edition of this event uh, since it, I believe started getting played in 1991, or at least maybe that's when they started having a team, except for the first year when they were banned, and then, of course, uh, last iteration, which got canceled. First qualifying round, they beat Mozambique 13-0 on aggregate. This series is obviously looking a lot better. Uh, also with four goals, 
another key player to look for for the match, Linda Multihalo. She's a midfielder, 23 years old, and I wanted to make sure to enunciate her name, and I'm hoping I'm getting it right because, yes, NWSL fans, that Linda Multihalo, she played for the Houston Dash in 2018. Uh, she's not there now. She has moved on to a uh, very good Swedish team called uh, Gardens, or Deer Gardens, rather. She's made 50 national team appearances since 2015. Team's current form, they are 3-1 and one in their last four, and that last one doesn't bother them too much because that was in a friendly. One for each of our two cats, and I suppose one mew for the awful stray beast that wants to kill our cats, but we've still been feeding it outside on the front porch anyway. <laughs> that sounder always means it's time for us to do a recap of the previous week's matches. Let's get into it. Match number one was a Friday match last week from England's top flight women's league, the WSL. Number B, Chelsea, taking on number one, Arsenal, and the result was a nil-nil draw. Match number B from Northern Ireland's premiership, number B, Glentoran, took on number one, Linfield, and it was the home side winning 2-0. Glentoran now are your new number one in Northern Ireland. Congratulations, at least for the moment. Match number three from the African Champions League. Group stage just starting down there. We looked at Wydad Casablanca taking on Sagrada Esperanza. And it was new favorite Wydad, the only uh, team in the world that he was named after a singer, winning 3-0. And one of the men in the match that we said to look for, Guy Mbenza, had a goal. Match number four from India's Super League. Number three, Bengaluru took on number one, Hyderabad. And it was Hyderabad winning 1-2. And that knocked Bengaluru in a very tight title race down to number four. On to Saturday, our next match was from the FIFA Club World Cup. It was the final. Chelsea taking on Palmyras, and the result was a Chelsea 2-1 win in extra time. Congratulations to them on their nice shiny trophy. Match number six was from Italy's Serie A. Number B, Napoli taking on number one, Inter Milan, and the result was a 1-1 draw. Uh, Soon-to-be Toronto FC man Lorenzo Insigne had a goal. Tuesday, match number seven from the CONCACAF Champions League round of 16. Like number one, Cavalli from Haiti was supposed to be playing host to New England, but it was given as a nil-three walkover to New England. Uh, Cavalli just couldn't host because of the political and safety situation going down there, the gangs and various things. And because of visa issues for those guys, they actually decided to uh, just cancel the uh, return leg as well for New England. So the Revs will be moving on to the next round. Match number eight from the UEFA's Champions League, the round of 16, leg one of the two-legged tie. Uh, we didn't actually talk about a match. We hope that you enjoyed learning about uh, Cardone Genevois in our usual food slash culture section. Match number nine from Amon's Premier League. Number one, Dofar took on number B, Alcib, and it was a 1-1 draw. No change in table position. Match number 10 from the CONCACAF Women's Championship Qualification Tournament. Uh, I said that we were looking at number B, Puerto Rico, playing host to number three, Suriname. Uh, that will happen in several weeks, but I got my match dates mixed up in, because I've been looking at the Mexico women's national team. Whoops, sorry about that. So I will simply just say, since uh, Puerto Rico is uh, American, and so we cheer for that, they won 4-0, not over Suriname, but over Antigua and Barbuda. And uh, Puerto Rico have now played two matches. Uh, they are undefeated, but they're still four points behind first place Mexico. 
Now, the bonus matches. Your route of the week last week was a Saturday match from Poland's Extra Klasa. Number one, Lech Poznan took on number 18 last place, Brukbet Termalica Nicecza. And the result, yeah, it was a route. We got it right. Uh, Poznan won 5-0. Uh, the guy that we said to look for had the first goal and therefore the game-winning one, Michael or Mikhail Ishak. The most meaningless match in the world. Friday, Slovakia Superliga gave us number eight, Zemplin uh, Mikelovsa. They were take, still hard for me to say. They took on number seven, SKF Sered. Easier to say. And the result was a Sered nil one win. I think they deserve it for having an easier name to say. And that moved them up to number six on the table and it moved Zemplin down to number nine. And then finally, your most uh, disappointing match, the most disappointing match. Match of disappointed. Yeah, that's what we call it. I get going too fast. Was a Monday match, appropriately, from Slovenia's uh, PRVA or First Liga. Uh, number nine, uh, Illumini, took on uh, number 10, uh, Radomoya. And uh, the result was a Dredomo win, nil four. And that moved them up to number eight and out of the relegation zone. Congratulations for the time being to them. That concludes our recap, blessedly, from last week's matches. Now let's get back into tracking the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. On to Tuesday we go, and that means Champions League time in Europe. Round of 16, the first leg of the home and away, two-legged ties. Most interesting looking match to us for Tuesday looks to be Villarreal from Spain versus Juventus, of course, from Serie A in Italy. Now, that's just about all I'm personally going to say on it. Noob is active on Twitter. My handle there is Soccer Noob USA. We've made plenty of connections, and some of you have even agreed to bless us with your knowledge when it comes to specific big leagues, big clubs, and big tournaments, because Noob isn't just a character. It's my life. You guys know more a lot a lot more rather about some of this stuff than I do. So to that end, we have invited Sal from Field Talk Pod to act as a, uh, let's not say correspondent, let's say mentor. He's been kind enough to do a mini preview for us that he's written. And the part of Sal here for our show will be played by none other than Person Noob. Villarreal versus Juventus is said to be one of the better games of the round in of 16 in Champions League. Because of the moves Juve made in the winter transfer window, it would seem as though they would have the upper edge. Their defenses, but their defensive woes are still there. They are vulnerable to any sort of counterattack, which Villarreal could take serious advantage of. On the other side of the fence, Villarreal also faced the same dilemma. With the game also being played at Estadio de la Semilla, Villarreal is said to have the crowd advantage, but Juve have an ace in Vlahovic, who is the game changer. But if he is stopped, you can for sure bet the Spanish side can win not only the match, but the series. Match number seven. Our other Tuesday match takes us to the women's side of the ball once again and back to CONCACAF once again, specifically the CONCACAF Women's Championship Qualification. Here's what's going on. Uh, The teams that are entered in this have been broken into six groups of five. They play a single round robin is all. So each team will get to host twice and they'll be on the road twice. 
And uh, the winners of each of the groups and the winners only will advance to meet the U.S. and Canada who don't have to play in this event. They get buys just by being in the top two for some reason uh, for the event proper, which will also serve as qualifiers for the Women's World Cup. This match is going to be played at Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic, but nevertheless, officially on paper is the home team, St. Kitts and Nevis, playing quote-unquote host to uh, Curacao. St. Kitts and Nevis, I'll be perfectly honest, I don't have a ton on either of these teams. This is just more to let you know that it's going on, but we do have a little bit. Now, by the time you hear this, St. Kitts and Nevis will have played Costa Rica, but at the time I'm looking this, uh, looking at all this stuff, uh, they haven't played any games for the qualification event yet. They're ranked just number 129 by FIFA worldwide. Uh, they are the best of what is called pot two of all the teams ordinarily ranked for this event. Now what that really, it, it should really be pot three. I don't know why they've done it this way. They call pot one, the seeded pot, and then they have four others, one, two, three, and four. So this is a pretty high end average team overall for this group. 2009, they finished as high as a number. They were as high as number 92 in the worldwide rankings. As far as in CONCACAF, they are number 17 in the rank of countries that bothered to submit teams. Nine of the Caribbean countries did not. Uh, this year, they've only played a couple of times. Friendlies, they got a win and a draw against Anguilla, who I'm not sure is really any stronger than they are. Not surprisingly, they've never been to a World Cup. As far as this event, they have tried and failed to qualify for uh, the last four cycles. Before that, they had never entered the event before, going all the way back in its history, I believe, to 1991. And now Curacao, by the time you've heard this, they will have played host to Guatemala. They are ranked number 162 by FIFA. They are at the top of pot four, which is the lowest one, if you remember my explanation. But hey, at least they're at the top of it. They are rated just number 27 of the CONCACAF teams in this event. Now, if this country isn't super familiar to you, well, a little bit of their history, of course, was spent under a different name as the nation of Netherlands Antilles. And I believe they carried that up until like 2007. And both in terms of trying to qualify for World Cup and uh, in their time uh, trying to play in this event, they have followed a very specific, interesting pattern. Every other year, they either do not enter or uh, they enter that they don't qualify for the event proper. So I don't know if it's a financial thing or what, but they're only sending their team to try every other year. So historically for this event, they have played seven matches and have a 3-0-4 record. So I thought we'd settled on something else, but you know what? I think what you came up with there in the theme song for the apparent title will work really well. So what are we going to call this segment that we're trying out? Questions will be answered today. Wow. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, may I take the liberty of starting person noob? Yes. You Outstanding. Uh, how many guitar lessons have you had so far? Four. Four? All right. How do you think that's going? Pretty good. You having a lot of fun? Yeah. That's awesome. You're getting some new strings for your guitar and why is it that you need new strings for it? Because apparently the ones that I have go out of tune very easily. Yeah, it's like you have it's like you have multiple different types of strings because it may not have been the world's most expensive guitar that we bought you, but we're going to get you some good strings. And then somehow some way you will sound even more amazing than you already do. So, uh, we have been asking the last couple of weeks on Twitter, just a couple of times. Our handle, by the way, is Soccer Noob USA on Twitter. If you'd like to message either of us with your soccer related questions or non soccer related questions, is 
Would that be okay? Do they have to be about soccer? No. Would you prefer the questions were not about soccer? Maybe. <laughs> Fair enough. We're just starting out. How do we know till we look? Okay. So uh, the one question that we've gotten so far is from uh, Twitter is at Coach C underscore Cougars. Thank you so much for participating in our pod and our experiment. So there he is with his coach hat and his beard. Is his beard better than dad's? There's another question. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, both very are nice. Good. You're being very non-committal. It's okay. That's that's maybe that's not a fair question. I want to put you in that position. Let's get to his question instead. He is a big fan of Serie A, which is the top league in do you know what country? No. Italy. And he wants to know which team is going to win. So here is the here are the standings, or here's the table. Right now, uh, Milan AC, or AC Milan, lead by one over Internacional, which is also from the city of Milan. They even play in the same stadium. And then in third place is Napoli. They are just one more point behind, and it's almost certainly going to be one of those three that wins the title. Now, you had an advanced look at this information, if you chose to look at it. Which team, and by the way, Coach C is really hoping that you'll pick Inter, which team do you say is going to win? I'm not, it's like a 50-50 between Napoli and the one that he picked. I don't know how to say uh, that. Because, Napoli and Milan or Milan? Uh, The second one, the one that he wanted to choose. Oh, the one that he, oh, Internacional. That's right. That's the one he wanted. So you think it's going to be either Napoli or Inter? Mm, because they both have like, kind of like really close scores. Some, mm-hmm. one, like one's better in one thing than the, they're both like, sort of like tied on that list? Or it's very close on points, isn't it? Now, one thing that's interesting is this is the number of games they've played, and they'll all play the same number by the end of the season, but look at this. Inter has played one fewer game than the other two, so that's a little bit of an advantage. Also about Inter, Inter has the best offense. They've scored 55 goals at time of recording, but Napoli has the best defense. They've only let teams score 17 goals in 25 games. I don't know how much that means to you and your methodology for the answering of questions today per the title, but now with all this in mind, would you like to commit to a solid answer for Coach C on which team you believe is going to win Serie A? No. <laughs> well, the title of this is questions are going to be answered today, but I guess if we're not going to quite answer it today, we might have to think about changing the name of the segment next week. No, because this, because some, your question will be answered today and toward what you know, I'm just narrowing it down to where technically part of your question has been answered today. Part of your question will be answered today. Yes, that sounds good. All right. Should we end the segment there? Sure. All right. Good job. Slap hands. Goodbye. Match number eight. Moving right on into Wednesday, it's more women's action. We head to Europe for match number eight for a Women's World Cup qualifying event. They are in the group stage. Uh, here's how things are formatted. They've got nine different groups. Uh, they don't all have the same number of teams. They've all got either five or six, though. The winners of each group will automatically qualify for the World Cup. The second-place finishers are not out of it. They will move on to a playoff qualifying round for one more shot to get to that World Cup. They're about halfway through the group stage. I think that this is the only match being played this week. It is number four in their group, Turkey, playing host to number three, 
Serbia. It's going to be played in the city of uh, Izmir, which is the third largest one in Turkey. And uh, <laughs> uh, learning this from me, I'd never heard of this city before. Anyway, the footy. Serbia won the first time that they played uh, at home for them 2-0. Now let's take a look at the heart of the table. Portugal have played one more match than these two teams, and they sit at 13 points. Serbia are at nine. Turkey are at seven. By the way, Germany is absolutely running away with this group. No real surprise there. They've all but mathematically practically uh, wrapped up the automatic World Cup berth from this group, and they will be the ones to get it. But this match still very important, particularly, I believe, for the visitors. But nevertheless, a little about the Turkish gals first. They are known as the Crescent Stars. They've never qualified for the events proper of the World Cup or even the European Championships, to be honest. Uh, they are currently at the top of pot number five. So they're finished to uh, finish in last or second to last in this particular group. Uh, in Europe, they're ranked number 37 overall in the world by FIFA, number 69. They've got a 2-1-2 and two record here in the group stage. Not an impressive goal differential, 5-13. and 13. Now, the offense is really the bigger problem. The teams in this group score like gangbusters, so to have any chance of advancing, they would have to up their production dramatically. To that end, team leading scorer, a gal desperately in need of more help, is Yagmar Urez. She plays attacker. And, yes, we have a USA connection, believe it or not. Uh, her name looks like it would be pronounced to me, S.A. Uh, Turcoglu, but I'm pretty sure I've got it right from a website I like called Forvo, that it is Eje Tigolo. There we go. Practice that one a little bit more than the one I was fumbling through earlier. And the American Connection, while well, she's a midfielder, 22, uh, plays or until recently played her soccer collegiately at Old Dominion University. This team's form, currently they are 2-0-2 in their last four, with just a 4-13 and goal differential. And now Serbia, the White Eagles. They are ranked number 25 in Europe, number 40 overall by FIFA. Uh, like their opponents today, oddly enough, no World Cup appearances, no UEFA championships as far as the events proper. This event, they're 3-0-2 with an 11-8 goal differential. And uh, once again, you know, I, even though they've got over twice as many goals as Turkey, I'm going to say if they want to have any chance of checking uh, of uh, catching up to Portugal, they've got to ramp up the offensive production. Those teams just score like it's going out of style. Key player for them is Navena Damjanovic or Damjanovic, defender for CSKA Moscow. She's got uh, two goals for them, so a little bit of box of box action. And she's where some of their experience comes from. She's got nearly 40 national team appearances. That's in the top three in terms of the active gals for this team. As far as their current form, they have won four straight matches and have a 10 and one goal differential. Uh, they would have already been my favorite, even if they'd been playing average ball. I don't think that they're going to be able to catch Portugal, to be perfectly honest. But to have any chance, Serbia have got to take all three points out of this one. If they lose, or even if it's a draw, I think you can basically call both these teams cooked. Match number nine. And we're off to Asia for the first time this podcast. Match number nine is from the India Super League. Yeah, the second week in a row we have talked ISL and why not? You'll find out shortly why I'm excited about it. Uh, this and the other code number one league, the I-League, are collectively ranked uh, number 17 in the AFC. That means that this league gets to send just their champion rather than two teams 
to the Champions League. It will get started in the group stage. And then their playoff winner at the end of the season might get to go to the AFC Cup, a secondary tournament of sorts in Asia. And the reason that this race is so attention-getting, I believe there's only 11 teams in the league, but in any case, with just three matches to go, there are seven points is all that separate number one from all the way down to number seven in the table. The matchup that caught my eye this week, number one, Hyderabad, it would be the second week in a row we're talking about them, versus number four, Kerala Blasters. Here's how the table looks. Hyderabad lead ATK Moen Bagan by 11 on goal differential in the table. They are tied on points, as you might imagine. Meanwhile, Kerala Blasters, they lead number five, Mumbai City, by just one. And remember, the top four teams are going to be the ones that make the playoffs. So even if they're not going to get to the CL, uh, Kerala Blasters would really like to make the playoffs and have a shot at some sort of international competitive berth. And that's all I'm going to give you for this particular one. Because, as longer-time listeners will know, this is the time of show, match eight or nine, when we take a break and do something culture-oriented. Usually food, but for the second time this podcast, I have just been in a musical mood. And I discovered something, a type of music that is specific, at least in terms of this region, to Hyderabad. A festival of music called Marfa Music. And as we listen, we'll learn a little bit about it. Uh, the word Marfa is actually from Yemen. Yeah, in the Middle East. And there, I believe, it, uh, in Arabic, I believe it translates to kettle drum. Uh, likely, this music originates from a form of music and dance called Bara, B-A-R apostrophe A, in Yemen. Not sure I'm getting the pronunciation right. Bara, Bara, not sure. In any case, the traditional kettle drum musical instrument from Yemen is replaced in Hyderabad by something called Handi kettle drums, which are specifically just copper cooking basins. So something that anybody might have around. It's a great street festival of music for that reason. It was introduced originally from East Africa, like from uh, Ethiopia, for example. A lot of those folks were part of the Irregular Army that was there in colonial times, 1900s, India. They, in turn, had probably been influenced by, of course, Middle Easterners. And as you're hearing this music, one of the ones I, and there's a procession going down the uh, party street in your mind, I want you to imagine juggling going on. And it's mostly swords and daggers, not bowling pins and other clownish stuff that you might see at a circus. And then uh, this type of music there, uh, it's very specific. There are three musically rhythmic beats, and it's called the sequence is called Teen Martal, T-A-A-L. And uh, with those three speeds of specific beats, you can make several combinations, of course, and all the music is based on those combinations. Now, only men perform the music traditionally, but men and women both dance to it uh, with, uh, with one another in the processions. As far as the instrumentation, you've got the marfa, those, uh, those copper kettle drums, uh, daf, which is basically a tambourine with one side having a membrane on it, and it's specifically on a metal frame. Not like a uh, traditional tambourine you might see over here in the West. Something called a doll or the hull, the HOL, which is a still carryable and yet much larger than a bongo, bongo shaped drum. And it's double headed, you can play it on both ends. And then uh, sticks are traditional instruments, and something called tapi, T A J P I, wooden strips that might get scraped against one another for a really interesting sound. And then uh, there's also singing that goes along with this, as I'm sure you've been hearing, and the chorus is always set to those same rhythms. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! 
And I said our last match, but it's only the last match in terms of the regular quote-unquote matches. We still have our three super fun bonus matches to go. After this, fear not. Nevertheless, Person Noob, our last one, match 10 from the CONCACAF Men's Champions League. Round of 16, leg number two of the two-legged home-and-away ties. And we're going to look at Colorado Rapids, MLS, of course, versus Comunicaciones, and they are out of Guatemala. Now, you can catch this match at 8.30 in the evening, uh, Eastern Time U.S. on Fox Sports 2 or for Spanish-language broadcast, TUDN. Leg one, Comunicaciones won it at their place 1-0. The winner of this two-legged tie will get to either play uh, NYCFC or, I believe, from Costa Rica, uh, Santos de Guapiles. And uh, New York York City won the first match uh, 2-0 between those two. But let's talk about these two and start with Colorado. This is their fourth fourth, rather, Champions League appearance. 2018, they made the group stage, and that is the tide for the best they have ever done. They qualified for this event by winning the 2021 MLS Western Conference. They beat Seattle Sounders by just one point. Uh, The defense was where their bread was getting buttered. They uh, were pretty much down, only giving up a goal per match. Uh, The offense wasn't bad, but it wasn't way above average either, to be perfectly honest. Uh, key player to look for tied for number four in assists in the Western Conference last year or no check that the entire league Englishman Jack Price midfielder who spent uh, 2001 through 18 between his youth years and several senior years all with Wolverhampton and this is a guy I like because he was born in one of my favorite English towns Shrewsbury where William Hotspur Percy died, for whom Tottenham Hotspur is named. Yes, someday I will do the full story, I promise, on my hatred for Tottenham Hotspur. It has to do with some funny history. Anyway, uh, keep another key player to look for, tied for number one in goalkeeping last year in terms of clean sheets, a guy that doesn't get nearly enough talk, in my opinion, goalkeeper William Yarbrough, who uh, reps for the USA, but he actually grew up in Mexico. He's the son of... Uh, Uh, evangelical Christians who had emigrated down there. And uh, so uh, he grew up a little bit more on the Mexican side league-wise. He's played for both Pachuca and Leon down there, but he did make three U.S. men's national team appearances uh, between 2015 and 2016. And now Comunicaciones, known as Komu, that's really the only nickname I could find for them, but their mascot's cool. He's a ghost named Gasparin. Kind of like that. I don't think I've ever seen a team that was the Ghosts before, and I wonder why it's a ghost. In any case, their league is rated number six in CONCACAF by most places I've looked, which makes them uh, the fourth strongest one in Central America. And this is your historical behemoth. They have won at least 30 league titles since like the mid-1950s. Back in 78, they actually were co-champions of the Champions League, and they qualified by uh, winning... The CONCACAF League, the feeder tournament for this one, that's the only time they've ever done that. A lot of the Central American and I think a couple Caribbean teams have to play in that for the right to get into the Champions League. So this is a team that's played a lot of matches, has been very, very hungry. Uh, 2021-22 Liga Nacional down there There are only seven matches into the current stage And the team sits only in fifth place Not because of the offense They've got a lot going They score about two and a half goals per match But the defense has been borderline abysmal Uh, They're only eighth place in that regard Uh, Nevertheless, that's good for the number three overall goal differential They will climb somewhat before the stage is over Key man to look for Tied for second best in league scoring down there Is Andres Lescano And it's attacker for them. Their current form, they are 3-1-0 in their last four. Now, 
Who do I like for this one? Boy, they're only fourth best in Central America as far as the league. But given how hard they've had to work, I think the Comunicaciones are going to at least be able to get a draw in large part just because the MLS teams are at a real disadvantage for for the CONCACAF Champions League every year because other than their preseason stuff, they're not in form yet. Their actual season doesn't start for another week or two. Bring forth the bonus matches. Thank you so much for voting on Twitter on the polls that we put out at the beginning of every week. We love that you help determine what the bonus matches are going to be. In fact, you do it exclusively. And the first of our three is a match that we call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And the one that you have selected is a Saturday match from none other than, no surprise here, the Bermuda Premier League. Every time that I, you guys have a chance to vote on this one, you turn out in spades when the league leader is involved. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Bermuda's Premier League is ranked something like number 25 by Kick Algorithms. Uh, the website that I like to use for that for CONCACAF. They don't rank them officially, I don't think. But once you get down that far, none of the current clubs ever go to international play of any kind. This league hasn't sent a team to a CONCACAF event since 1992, so you really can't rank them. It's definitely amateur, but hey, we still go where the drama and the fun are. Now, at least officially, I will point out that the winner does have the right to a berth in the Caribbean Club Shield, which is uh, one of two Caribbean sub-region tournaments. Uh, there's a smaller one that is for the professional teams, the CCC, Caribbean Club Championship. Everybody else goes to the semi-pro amateur one, Caribbean Club Shield. You can earn your way out of that into the CCC and then into the CONCACAF League and even the CONCACAF Champions League. And you know what? If the problem is money, Bermuda, I would love to start a Kickstarter fund for you so that the visiting team of this match could maybe go to a CONCACAF event. Last place, number 11, Somerset Eagles versus your number one Dandytown Hornets, or as they are unofficially known but best loved by all of us as the big, bad, dandy Dickies looking at the table. The Dickies lead Pembroke Hamilton by two. Uh, on the other end of things, uh, Southeast, they trail number eight, the number eight team by 11. And that is uh, the highest ranked team that won't, or lowest ranked team that won't get relegated. So despite the fact that they have played one to two fewer games than everybody else, the Eagles are going down. We've got to face facts. And today will not help their cause as they try to make it otherwise. Uh, this club is also known as SBRC, which stands for Somerset Bridge Recreation Club. Uh, they are based in the southeast part of the country, a parish of about 6,000. I believe the country is made of nine parishes. Does that sound right? Yeah. Now, imagine Bermuda geographically. Uh, the island chain kind of runs from the northeast to southwesterly uh in the southwesterly direction. Sands Parish, which is spelled S-A-N-D-Y-S, but it is not possessive, nor do you pronounce the Y, it turns out, which I just learned this week, even though I've talked about it before. It is the most southwesterly parish on the island, but this is not the most southwesterly team. There's actually a second team that plays in Somerset on the other half of the island and more on the uh, tail, as it were. Now, uh, Somerset, uh, some of the let me try that again. Some of the parish is on the quote-unquote main island. And then a lot of the parish, uh, the vast majority is 
comprised of Somerset Island, which is the big one near the end of the country, you know, here in the archipelago. In any case, uh, they are connected to the mainland by a cute little hand crank drawbridge. It's maybe the smallest one in the world. And they actually use it. And not, it's not just there for aesthetics. When It's something like 17 feet high. And so they just have to, uh, if a ship, uh, a ship, <laughs> if a boat is going by that has a high enough mass, somebody's got to get out, get on the hand crank and uh, open it up about two feet to let the boat through. But I just think it's adorable. I've looked up pictures of it. Anyway, uh, this team hasn't won any league titles. Uh, in fact, they were just re-promoted again to the top flight after the 2015-16 season in the second division down there. Last year, they were in last place, but the season got abandoned. It wasn't even quite halfway through. Um, the year before, they finished ninth out of 10th place and should have been relegated. I'm guessing they weren't because of COVID once again. Uh, they've only got one win on the season, by the way, and no surprise why. They've got the second-to-worst offense. They don't even manage one goal per match. Second-to-worst defense, giving up almost four. Yeah, there's a team that's even worse in that regard. Hard to believe, I know. As far as their current form, they have lost four straight and eight of their last nine matches. And in fact, they just lost 12-0 at Pembroke Hamilton. This is not a team that is in good shape. And I think that the big, bad, dandy Dickies, our favor, will have their way with them. Yes, the sweet, sweet brown and gold. I love their colors. Uh, it's sort of a chestnutty brown, by the way, not a deep, uh, dark woodish one, if you will. In any case, they also, uh, like the rivals Pembroke Hamilton, play in the parish of Pembroke, about a thousand people. It's more in the central part of the country, just to the south. Uh, and on the west, it's a, a kind of a little tail that sticks out into the great sound. Uh, they play their matches at St. John's Field, a capacity of 1,000 is all they have there, and I'm going to guess that most of that is standing. Uh, they are one of the few teams that have any real international experience, and not much. 1991, they are the most recent team to go to any CONCACAF event. It wasn't even called the Champions League back then, and they only got to play two matches, both against the uh, Brooklyn Italians, and they lost that two-legged tie 6-1. to one. Domestically, they have won eight league titles, most recently in 2015-16. That is the fourth most in uh, the history of this league in the country. Uh, last year, they were in fourth place when the season was cut off. The year before, they finished in second place. Now, there are other teams that aren't all that far back, but this league is going to be a two-horse race because they and Pembroke Hamilton both have a match in hand against both the number three and the number four clubs. And their stats back up that they should remain the winners. They've got the second-best offense in the country, scoring two-and-a-half goals per game on the dot. They've tied for the best defense. They've only given up 11 in 13. Their current form, they are 7-1-1. I did make a note here that that's over a stretch of eight straight road matches, but it actually occurs to me as I was reviewing to finally record, but I didn't take the time to look it up. I have a feeling that a lot of those quote-unquote road matches are in St. John's Field. There's probably several of the teams that all play there on the same grounds. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Ah, uh, the most meaningless match in the world. So devoid of meaning, in fact, that I apparently recorded something else 
over the file before sending it to the management for his production and editing wizardry. So, here at the last minute, I am going to be recording outside the studio, period. The meaningless match only deserves the worst in audio quality. In any case, it is a Saturday match that you have voted for, and we are headed to Tanzania, the Ligi Kubara, the Premier League there. The uh, top two go to the Champions League. The third place team goes to the Confederation Cup. A whopping four teams are going to be relegated and two more will have to uh, try to survive via a relegation playoff. Season's half over there. Now, it's hard to call any match meaningless when so many of the teams you know, could be in a fluid situation. But nevertheless, smack dab in the middle of the standings between pain and glory is Gaita Gold, G-E-I-T-A, might be Gaita, and uh, Coastal Union. We'll talk about the hosts first. Gaita is both a city and region now as of 2012. Uh, it's the center of the gold mining region in that country. Historians will know, perhaps, that this was known as Bismarck's Reef, referring to a land feature, uh, back when the German... Germans in colonial days were in control and before they ceded it to the Brits. The city is only about 100,000 people. Again, region of the same name. Whole place has maybe uh, not quite a million people there. I don't know for sure what league they were in last year, but I can confirm that they were not in Division One last year here in the PL. I know a few years ago they got busted for match fixing along with three other teams and got relegated all the way back from wherever they were down into the second division, which is at least the third division down from the PL. Uh, this team, they're a little bit shorter on offense and defense, and they, uh, like uh, perhaps the price of gold could be, are rising. They are 4-3-0 in their last seven, and they have won two straight. So who knows? Maybe we'll actually get to see them in a regular match instead of a meaningless one eventually. And then Coastal Union from the city of Moshi, which is the capital of the Kilimanjaro region, famous for the mountain, of course, northeast part of the country, uh, well over 200,000 people there. Last year, they finished in 13th place. I assume that that means they had to survive a relegation uh, playoff with either another team from the league near them in the standings and or one or more Division II teams that finished very high up in the standings. Uh, they've got average defense, one of the worst offenses. They have lost five. Straight, so these are two teams very much going in opposite directions. And now, new bites, if I may refer to you as such, we have reached the true end of our podcast road. Time for one last bonus match that we call the match of disappointed, and it is worthy of your sorbo like Herculean scorn because these are the last place two teams from some league in the world. Who did you vote for? Well, we went to beautiful Bermuda earlier, and now we go to one of my favorite leagues in the whole world, Tahiti's League One. Yeah, down in French Polynesia, where we're not even going to talk about where these teams get to go for the uh, you know their confederation Champions League or whatever. One team gets relegated. One team will have to try to battle it out to stay up in a relegation playoff. Your matchup is Excelsior taking on a, t- a team that's uh, I don't know how to pronounce. It's at A.S. Mataia, M-A-T-A-I-E-A. I really did try to find it. Couldn't. We're going to call them A.S.M. just for fun. Well, not for fun. It's because it's a good abbreviation, obviously. And it's fun. Why not? Both of these teams are winless. That's not fun. Worthy of our scorn, they are. Last year, they finished in third to last and last place, respectively. But the season got abbreviated. They only played half of it because of COVID. Uh, now, as far as how these two look in the table... 
There is a chance, Excelsior, yes, you could get out of the relegation zone and catch Olympic Mahina. They're only a couple points behind them. ASM is going down. Uh, They're lousy even for a match of disappointed team, as you will find out, and in particular because of their defense. One of the reason that I love this league, first of all, I think it's one of the leagues still in the world where you get four points for a win, uh, two points for a draw, and one point for a loss as long as you bother to show up instead of just like uh, forfeiting and not coming down at all, which maybe happens in Tahiti a lot. Hopefully not for bad reasons. Hopefully it's because sometimes they just don't feel like playing football because it's hot and they're enjoying paradise. Anyway, let's talk about the host first, Excelsior. They play out of the French Polynesian capital of Papette. They have won six league titles historically, but the last time was in 1988. Their halcyon days are long gone. Uh, They won the second division league in 2019-2020. And uh, so this is the the season that followed. Uh, Last year's abbreviated one was their first season in division one since they actually managed to stay up for two straight years back in the mid-2010s. Now, statistically, uh, pretty bad offense. They only score one per match, and that will not get it done when you are giving up four and a half goals per match on the dot. Good Lord, do they even play goalkeepers down there. And their goal differential is almost twice as bad as anybody else's except for their hosts today. And by the way, Excelsior has only had one draw on this season, so they've got one point. Okay, and now... ASM. They play out of a city that I also don't know how to pronounce. Teva e Uta. It's three different words. The middle one is an I. Maybe it's I Uta. I don't know. It's a commune, which is actually made up of two other communes, of which Mataia is one. Uh, I don't know if it's that specific commune or the overall com- uh, commune of Teva, but they've got about 10,000 people in the area. So the southeast part of the Tahitian island there down in FP. They were repeat, uh, they were re-promoted rather to Division One just two years ago, and it had been a while since they played top flight ball. The last time had been in 2000-2001. And in fact, they were all the way down in the third division. Yeah, they've got at least three of them in Tahiti as recently as 2017-18. So they've been climbing back up, and they are going to go right back down. They have the worst offense and the worst defense. Yeah, that four and a half that Excelsior gives up, (laughs) they've got nothing on ASM. They give up over six goals per match. I don't even know if they're playing fullbacks. And their goal differential is like one and three quarters times worse even than Excelsior's. So as much as I love this league, and therefore, to a degree, the teams in it, we have to follow form here on Team Noob and the show and not wish these teams good luck like we would all the other ones, but rather send them off in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo. boo. And that's right, Statler and Waldorf, they're always ushering us out. This has been Episode 71 of Soccer Noob Rock in America. Thank you so much to the management for all of his editing and production wizardry, to Dan the Interno Inferno for all the creative endeavors that he helps with on this show, to my daughter, Person Noob, 
love you very much. I'm so glad you're always a part of this. Great job in particular this week. We had you doing a lot of stuff. And extra special thanks to Sal from Field Talk Pod, which we cannot encourage you enough to check out. I I listen to a lot of pods, or I try them, but there's only about six I listen to with real regularity so far. And Sal's is one of them, especially if you're looking for that La Liga information. They are a great one to follow. Very spicy, strong opinions. Just love it. And most importantly, perhaps, thank you so much to you for listening. If you've enjoyed all the craziness and learning stuff all about uh, soccer from around the world and learning about the world through the lens of soccer, we will hope that you pass us on to your footy-minded friends. Until next time, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.